behind the series, if, if you've missed the last few weeks, the heart behind the series is to continue to examine why we are here. And this isn't in some like, whoa, why are we here? Like Bill and Ted's like existential moment. This is a practical, specific, local, present question. Why are you and I here in Northwest Ohio in 2017? What are we here for? If you've been here before, you've seen the banners on each side of the stage that we, we've uh, Christmas, Christmasized. Um, but usually those banners say that we are here to know Jesus and make him known. And this series, this 4BG series, is really talking about the second piece of that, to make him known. See, Jesus is the message of this church. It's always been Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. Jesus' love, Jesus' mercy— Uh, Jesus' love, Jesus' mercy, Jesus' birth, Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection. Jesus is the message. But who is the message addressed to? Who is the message for? To know Jesus and make him known to who exactly? Now there's three answers to this question that come to my mind, and all of them are technically correct. You know what I'm going to do? Actually, just going to do this really quick. I'm back. To know Jesus and make him known to who exactly? Here's three answers to that question that are all correct. It's for us. It's for the whole world, and it's for the city of Bowling Green. But there's kind of a Goldilocks thing going on here with these three questions. I think they're all technically correct. I think one of the answers is too small. I think one of the answers is too big, and I think one of the answers is just right. And I want to explain what I mean by that. The first answer is that the mission is for us, for you and me that I'm going to preach the gospel to you, that you're going to preach the gospel back to me, that we're going to sing songs together that remind each other of how good God is. Kind of a holy echo chamber. And don't get me wrong, this is a good thing. It's part of our mission to create a community where we build each other up, where we remind each other of God's faithfulness. But we know that that's not where the mission ends. We know that the, the message is Jesus, the gospel is Jesus, and it's not supposed to bounce around inside of these walls. Forever it's supposed to escape these walls. It's true that the gospel is for us, for you and for me, but that's a vision that's too small. It's incomplete, and if that's our vision, it will leave us stagnant. The second answer, the too big answer, is is that the mission of this church specifically is for the whole world. Now, it goes without saying that the gospel is for everyone, that that Jesus told uh, his followers, take the good news to the ends of the earth. But my feeling is that this, this answer is actually a little too big to be of practical use for us in this sermon series, in this particular sermon. It's true that the gospel is for the world, but this vision is too immense and can leave me feeling a little paralyzed. So if Covenant Church is just for us, we're missing the point. If Covenant Church is for the entire world, then if we're honest, we're failing miserably. We, we may be reaching Toledo, but we're not reaching Toronto or Tunisia or Thailand. Yes, we exist 
to make Jesus known in this place, to each other, to our family. I want to make Jesus known to you. I want you to make Jesus known to me. Yes, we exist to make Jesus known across the globe through missions, through projects, through giving, through partnerships. But that can be hard to wrap our head around the scale of what that looks like. So the third answer, the just right answer, the Goldilocks mama bear situation, is that Covenant Church is for BG. See, something powerful happens when we identify a specific goal. It animates us, it excites us, it gives us permission to make a move, to take an action. So I, wanna, I want to uh, give a little uh, picture here. Imagine three kids, three little kids are each asked what they want to be when they grow up. So the, the first one says, I want to be a grown-up. The second one says, I want to be the first NBA player turned astronaut to become a Nobel Prize winning president of the United States. And the third one says, I want to be a pharmacist. Now, the first kid is setting the bar a little low, right? He's, uh, his big aspiration is to become an adult human, and the only thing he needs to do to, to achieve that is survive. He could afford to dream a little bigger. Now, the second kid has the opposite problem. He's, prob- he's probably a little out of touch with reality. Uh, he wants to be Commander LeBron Einstein, Ph.D., Uh, and there's no real path forward for him, right? There's no first step to take. It's cute, but where do you even start? The third kid, the kid who wants to be a pharmacist, is probably going to be a pharmacist. She's actually more ambitious than the second kid because she has her eyes fixed on something she can do. She knows how to get there. The first goal is uninspiring. The second one is unattainable. The third one has just enough specificity to be actionable. And that's the point. Have you ever looked at a huge to-do list and just kind of frozen up? You know, the minute you decide to start doing the first thing, you're choosing not to do all of the other things. The other hundred things on the list aren't going to get done if you focus your energy on the one, so you just don't do anything. The myth that we can believe is that getting specific about our mission limits our mission. When in actuality, Getting specific about our mission is what makes the mission possible. Being specific about our mission as a church takes us from wishful thinking to real action. Now, I've experienced this kind of thing in our community group recently. Uh, Our community groups at Covenant Church, the idea behind them is to gather, share, and bless. You've heard that before. We've been encouraging our groups to find a specific population to bless. So if, if my community group's mission was to just kind of bless people in general, to just be a blessing, to bless the world, it's, it's a nice sentiment, but at the end of the day, it's not very effective. Where do you start? Uh, what do you do with that? You just like recycle more or you become the kind of person who puts clothes back on the shelf at the store after you rifle through them all? I mean, it's like this vague idea of blessing and there's not really anything to sink your teeth into. So in September, uh, our community group decided on a specific group of people that we wanted to be a blessing to. Uh, Families in Bowling Green that have children with disabilities. So suddenly with these families in mind, the idea of blessing kind of took on a different shape. We were able to dive in. We started brainstorming. Where are these families? How can we contact them? Where do they hang out? What kind of things do they do? And it wasn't long after that, that we were serving up snacks to special needs athletes at an event in town. 
really simple gesture, a really small investment uh, for a very specific group of people. Being specific about our mission as a community group transformed it from a potluck into a powerful beacon of light in the city. And so specificity does not stifle the mission, it ignites it. And that's the point of 4BG, is getting really specific and really practical, practical about our mission of knowing Jesus and making him known. So the idea of being a church that reaches a city, that has an impact on the city, is nothing new, right? I've heard it preached my whole life. Uh, this idea of, uh, it's had a bunch of different names, uh, outreach, you know, reaching the lost, making disciples, living missionally, evangelism. It has all sorts of different methodologies and strategies, right? You could plan a huge event that's just really fun and designed to bring in the masses and then, you know, present the gospel. Um, I'm, heard, I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase, you know, preach the gospel with your life and use words if necessary. That you could even go door to door and have, would you like to know more about Jesus conversations? But the church's relationship to the city isn't an entertainment venue, right? It's not a silent example of moral living. It's not a political campaign that needs to be canvassed. The best word that I can think of to describe our relationship to the city is a friend. I have a friend uh, who is mentoring a church plant in Toledo as they're launching and growing. And he was telling me their vision, their mission statement, and it's simple and it's compelling it is to be the best friend that Toledo has ever had. And, and that idea, that's the crux behind 4BG. That's the crux behind our mission. It's going to be something we come back to time and time again, year after year. It's not a sermon series as much as it is a continual asking of this question. How can we be a friend to the city of Bowling Green? Not a roommate to the city of Bowling Green. Just kind of occupying the same space staying out of each other's way, cleaning up after ourselves. Not a, an acquaintance, just kind of passing each other, uh, asking how the weather is, no real depth or intimacy. But a real friend to the city of Bowling Green. A where would I be without you kind of friend. A friend that's a, an indispensable partner, that listens, invests, walks with, celebrates, and sacrifices for the sake of the other. Our vision, our calling, what we've been put here to do is to be this kind of friend to the city. So with that in mind, I want to talk about three aspects of friendship. Friendship is connected. Friendship is concerned. And friendship is costly. Friendship is connected. A true friend knows you. They know what makes you tick. They know what ticks you off. They know what you've been through. They know what you long for, what you dream for. A true friend is there to help you before you ask for help because they're connected enough to you to see the need. So if we want to love our city, we have to be close to our city. Close enough to see the needs that it truly has. This is the proximity that Kyle challenged us to prioritize a couple weeks ago. It's easy to think that little old Bowling Green, Ohio is kind of an idyllic Midwest town. Right? Far away from the issues that you see when you turn on the TV or scroll through Facebook. The trap that we can easily fall into, something that I've actually believed for most of my life, is that Bowling Green is not a city that's in need. Sure, cities like Toledo or Detroit have their fair share of, of violence and, and poverty and brokenness. But Bowling Green? 
I remember when uh, Kyle and Steph moved to BG, they kept saying things like, uh, it's like living in a postcard. And I get exactly what they mean, right? You drive downtown, you see a little diner on Main Street. You see the, the autumn leaves in a city park. You see the, the Christmas tree lighting downtown at the public library, right? That's like Norman Rockwell stuff. Uh, it's like a scene from Pleasantville, especially compared to the smog and the, the hustle of a metropolis. But the reality is that Bowling Green isn't a postcard. It's a broken city. And I think when we're honest and we look at our own experiences, the stories that we hear, we know this. We know that there are children in Bowling Green without parents. There are families in Bowling Green without enough food. We know that there are teens in Bowling Green that are wrestling with self-harm and suicidal thoughts. We know there are students at Bowling Green wondering if aborting the baby is the only option. We know that there are people in Bowling Green battling addictions. That's not a postcard. That's not Norman Rockwell stuff. See, for the Covenant Church to be a true friend of the city, we need to interact with people that are different to us, rub shoulders with the community at large, to learn about the city, to be a listening ear for the city. Are we close enough to the city to know what it's going through? That's friendship is connected. Friendship is concerned. Philippians 3, 2 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. A true friend cares about your well-being. They go out of their way to make things right, to cheer you up, to cheer you on, to brighten your day. If we want to love our city, we have to be concerned for our city. We have to be interested in our city. We need to look not only to our own interests, but the interests of others. So I'm from Bowling Green. I know a lot of you know that. I'm what's affectionately known as a townie. Have you ever heard that phrase? Do you have any townies in the room? A couple. I know we've got a couple. So I'll, I'll be, after church, I'll be talking to someone kind of new, and, and they'll be asking me where I'm from, and I'll say, I'm from here. Oh, cool, you're from Ohio. What part of Ohio are you from? And we're standing in this room, and I'll say, like, I'm from, like, this place that we're standing in right now. That's my parents behind you, and there's my second grade teacher, and there's my <laughs> kindergarten teacher, and there's my seventh grade teacher who's also my mother-in-law. <laughs> I'm from here, like right here. I'm a townie. I'm uh, the chief townie. As Paul would say, a townie among townies. I am married a townie. Now we are creating these little super townies. Yeah. I'm from Bowling Green. I'm from Bowling Green. But if I'm honest, I'm only starting to get excited about what it means to be for Bowling Green. See, I'm from Bowling Green, but what does it mean to be for Bowling Green? I've lived as if this place exists for me, that BG is for Greg. And so ask yourself, is BG here for me or am I here for BG? For Covenant to be a, a true friend to the city, we need to have genuine compassion for those that are down and out. We need to help lighten the load for those who carry a heavy burden. His friendship is concerned. The last one is friendship is costly. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
A true friend lays their life down for you. They sacrifice their own time, their own resources to see you come alive and become what you were made to be. They go the extra mile. They put in the blood, the sweat, and the tears to see you thrive. Last week, Ken reminded us that we are all outsiders that have been welcomed in through the work of Jesus, that Jesus traded his glory for our freedom, that making outsiders insiders took sacrifice. And so for Covenant Church to be a true friend of the city of Bowling Green, we need to imagine the kind of city that God longs to see. God longs to see cities without orphans, without abuse, without hunger, without darkness. We need to invest ourselves fully into seeing that kind of city come to life in Bowling Green, even at our own expense, because friendship is costly, because redemption is costly, because it's worth it. Restoring our community back to its design is what we were created for. Last year on Orphan Sunday, I read this passage from Isaiah 58. I'm going to read it to you right now, and if I'm up here next November, I'm probably going to read it again. Isaiah 58, 10 through 12 says, If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. My favorite part. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Eugene Peterson paraphrases those last four lines like this. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. You'll be known as those who can fix anything, restore old ruins, rebuild and renovate, make the community livable again. This echoes the passage that Kyle taught from a few weeks ago, where God essentially says, do you really think I'm impressed by your parades and your church services? They're just a bunch of words without any actions. They're empty to me. But if you fight for the poor and the widow and the orphan, now that's the kind of worship that I love. We see that maturing as a Christian means replacing good intentions and good ideas with real costly actions. Not just believing that God is saving the world, but jumping in and getting your hands dirty. This is the key to understanding the miracle of Christmas that we're going to unpack in the next few weeks. In Jesus' birth, we see God giving away his strength for the weak, his glory for the poor, and his life for the dying. For God to become the so-called friend of sinners cost him everything. Friendship is costly. And the need is great, but Jesus is more than enough. And to follow Jesus is to allow yourself to be inconvenienced by the scope of his gospel. The gospel of Jesus is massive. C.S. Lewis has a great quote about this, this weighty task of participating with God in his redemption of broken things. He says, I have received no assurance that anything we can do will eradicate suffering. I think the best results are attained by people who work quietly away at limited objectives, 
such as the abolition of the slave trade or prison reform or tuberculosis, not by those who think they can achieve universal justice or health or peace. I think the art of life consists in tackling each immediate evil as, as well as we can. I think the art of life consists in tackling each immediate evil as well as we can. We see this throughout the scripture that today has enough evil for today. That tackling each immediate evil is the path toward chipping away at the redemption that God is bringing. As foster parents, me and Bethany have learned what it means to work away at a limited objective. The goal of what we do isn't like C.S. Lewis says to eradicate all suffering. It's not that trite beauty pageant goal of world peace. World peace is kind of overrated. Can I say that? World peace is overrated in that it rarely animates people to any real change. If the Jenkins family's goal is to eliminate the plight of fatherlessness once and for all, we have no chance to do that. We can't do that. Why would we even try? But if our goal is to give one child that is homeless today a warm, safe home for today, then we can do that. We absolutely can do that. See, there's something really powerful about stepping back from the enormous and zeroing in on the everyday. Trading the massive for the mundane. The mile-long to-do list for the one thing that you can do today. Simple gestures, small investments for specific groups of people. Being for BG is about recalibrating our lives to care more and more and more about the things that God says he cares about over and over in the Bible. We're, we're dreaming big about the ways we can bring God's redemption and his salvation and his love to this region. And, and we're wrapping up this series today, but know that this isn't the last time you're going to hear the words for BG. They're words that we plan to weave into the fabric of the culture here at Covenant Church. We want to be a known as a church that is for BG. We want to be front page news. And we want the headline to be Covenant Church is for BG. Look at the things that are happening in this place and look at how the city is benefiting from the love of God. We want to be a where would we be without you kind of friend to the city. We want to establish consistent rhythms of listening to and caring for the people that live around us. And this is a super practical series, and what's at play here is not a bunch of good ideas, but some real action, and more importantly, real people. So I want to leave you with a few things to take, a few things to do. The first one is join a community group. Uh, if you're on the fence about joining a community group, if you joined one and stopped going, if you've never heard of a community group, we've said it before, we'll say it again. The, a community group is just a man-made vehicle to get us to a God-given destination. That destination is to love our neighbor as ourselves. We want to be a church that loves our neighbor. And so we've created these community groups to get us there, to be our instrument, our tool, our gathering point, our base camp. They're designed to have an open seat at the table for the city of Bowling Green. 
They're designed to take people with gifts and talents and plug them into a place where they can use those to bless the city. Uh, you can go to bgcovenant.org community. Tell us what day works for you. We will get you plugged in to a community group. If you're in a community group and your group hasn't decided on a specific group of people to bless, I'm going to encourage you to get specific. Take the list of 100 things you could do and find the one thing that you will do. If you want help with ideas, talk to Kyle, talk to me. If you need help networking, connecting, partnering, um, bring those things up. We want to brainstorm with your group and find, uh, find a way that you can get specific because being specific doesn't limit our mission. It's what makes the mission possible. Third, I want you to take a moment today, like Kyle said, and, and take a look at the Open Homes Heart Gallery. This is a chance for you to make eye contact with some of the people that we're talking about. When we say that Bowling Green is not a postcard, when we say that there are children in this city without families, these are 40 or 50 of the kids that we're talking about. They may be in school with your kids. They share the same zip code as you. These are kids who are looking for a forever family. These are kids who are looking for a where would I be without you? kind of friend. Last, I want to ask you to add the phrase friend of Bowling Green to the list of things that describe you, that define you. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a worship leader. I'm a friend of Bowling Green. When you talk about yourself like that, it changes the way that you think about your surroundings. It affects your priorities. It shifts your focus. So as we begin to ring in this Christmas season, remember that Jesus was born for BG and he died for BG. Jesus rose for BG and he's coming back for BG. And he has placed you here today for BG. Will you stand and pray with me? Father God, your heart for the down and out, your heart for the poor, the widow, the orphan, the outsider, is on display throughout your word. The way that you talk about those in need shows that you are a God that is filled with love, that is a God that is filled with faithfulness, that is a God who is filled with mercy. God, I pray that you would infuse this community with those qualities, that by your spirit, we would take on your character and your personality. We would take on your desire for redemption, your obsession with making things right. God, we need your spirit. We need your strength. We need your vision. Would you continually, continuously bring us back to a place of seeing the need, of seeing you as the answer and delivering that answer time and time again to the city around us. God, I pray that in 2018 there would be those battling addiction that would find mentorship and support in this room. They would be led to a healthy life without judgment. I pray that in 2018 
the student who's wondering if aborting the baby is the only option would find themselves in a little building on Grove Street, listening to a tiny heartbeat, given support and hope in a new way forward. I pray for that teen who is secretly battling depression and suicidal thoughts, that they would have a life-changing conversation in this room as they discover purpose and joy that they were created for. God, and I lift up those children, the children in this city without parents. I pray that they would be welcomed into the homes of people in this room this year, that they would chase each other through the aisles of this church, and they will sing their Christmas songs on this stage. Would you go before us into the year ahead? Would you set aside good works for us to do? Would you speak to us? Would you change us? In Jesus' name, amen.